Holy Spirit, it's supposed to be like... Going back to my biblical learning. <laughs> God, Jesus, and the Virgin Mary, I think should know this. <laughs> I think the Holy Spirit is whatever you find in yourself. We are our own Holy Spirits. A compass inside of you that tells you like what to do. You know, what to do and how to do. Kind of pulls on your your hoodie a little bit when you're about to take the wrong turn. All that encapsulates us, the aura of love, the aura of power. You know, I learned all this, but it's still such a complex thing to talk about. Your helper, it's, it's like, your, it's your gut, it's your intuition, it's your ancestors. Somebody speaking to you and doesn't make sense, but if you follow it, it makes sense. I don't see God being separate from the Holy Spirit and from Jesus. Giant spirit, kind of, but it's also not. Yeah, I guess that's confusing because when you pray, you say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So then who's the Holy Spirit if it's not the Father and the Son? <laughs> so actually, I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> but it can also be a bird, but it also isn't. The power of God? It's kind of nuts to think about. Holy Spirit. I don't know. To be honest, I'm not even sure. <laughs> oh, okay, now it's my turn. <laughs> I love these men on the street videos. I don't know about you, but I, I love it because they're so honest. I mean, can you imagine if you're just walking along and someone just sticks a microphone in your face and asks you, who is the Holy Spirit? I mean, probably if we did that here, uh, you, there might be a mass exodus for the door. I don't know. Um, but I just want to, uh, they're so precious. I just want to walk up to each of them and give them a hug and say, thank you for being so brave to answer these questions. Well, who is the Holy Spirit? That's what we're going to be talking about today. And I think it's safe to say that there's a lot of confusion in our world about the Holy Spirit. It mostly centers around this idea that the Spirit is an it or a thing. And some older translations even talk about the Holy Spirit being um, the Holy Ghost. The King James Version says that. And that even sounds even more weird and a little scarier. And so it's natural to feel some nervousness when we start to talk about the topic of the Holy Spirit. We start to talk about the Holy Spirit. There's a movie out now called The Jesus Rev uh, Revolution. Anyone seen that movie yet? Have you seen it? I have not seen the movie. Um, I actually lived through <laughs> the movie that was my teenage years, and I can remember, yes, I'm that old, I can remember hearing about the revivals and the healings and people speaking in tongues and these wild worship services and all these things that the Holy Spirit was doing, and I can remember feeling kind of strange, but also feeling excited and fascinated by it all, but the interesting thing is, is I don't think the adults in the church that I was growing up in felt the same way, or at least it didn't seem like they did to me because when I was um, listening to them, it didn't seem like they were talking about the Holy Spirit at all. As a matter of fact, in the church I grew up with, we talked about God, we talked about Jesus, we talked about Jesus, we talked about God, but there was a hesitancy to talk about the Holy Spirit. And it was as if they had put the Holy Spirit very neatly in a back room, in a closet, out of sight, out of mind. And that was 50 years ago. <laughs> but judging by some of the books that are out right now, I'm not sure that we have come that far. We've got The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. We've got, you know, The God I Never Knew, Holy Spirit 101. So we still have questions. So let's just take a moment 
And let's just acknowledge right now that none of us have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. And let's just acknowledge that there is mystery that we probably will never be able to explain. And it's okay. It's okay to be a little nervous when we're talking about this. And can we just say this? Is it okay to say this? Church can feel weird. Is that okay to say? Church can feel weird and church can feel wonderful. You know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You're free to raise your hands in worship. I raise my hands in worship a lot. My younger brother looks at me and he goes, that is just weird. That is just weird. But I say, you know, but the early Christians, they raised their hands in holy prayer. Scripture says that. And so when you see me raising my hands, you can just say, wow, this is a church that's free to express worship in ancient terms. (laughs) And if you're someone who just worships with your hands at your side, you can say, wow, this is a church that's free enough that you can try new forms of worship. But church is weird sometimes, and church is wonderful sometimes, and church can be weird and wonderful at the same time. And to be honest, I kind of like it that way. (laughs) And maybe I'm the weird one, I don't know. But let's just relax, let's get comfortable with our questions and the fact that we have questions so we can open our hearts to hear what God has to say to us. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, help us to hear your voice today. Let my words bring honor to you alone. And as we look in your word together, would you just awaken in us a curiosity, an openness, a hunger to understand more of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, we can eliminate one misconception. Sometimes we we refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, and sometimes I have done that myself. Um, And I think it's kind of because when you read about the Holy Spirit in Scripture, you read these descriptions of the Holy Spirit, like um, he's described as a dove, or a rushing wind, or like a breath, or like streams of living water, divine clothing that you would put in, or a seal, or a guarantee, or a fire. And so we kind of have this idea of an it, but the Holy Spirit is a person. And if we look at the actions and the activities of the Holy Spirit, we can see the characteristics and activities of a person. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, a helper. The Holy Spirit gives guidance and gives gifts, intercedes for us, encourages us, empowers and transforms. The Holy Spirit can be lied to, grieved, and resisted. And these are all attributes of a person. Now, not a flesh and blood person like you and I, but a person that is part of something called the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is fully and equally God. That is something that we know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is a mystery, isn't it? It's one essence, essence, three persons. Like I said, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's mystery there. When we baptize someone, we say, I baptize you in the name, singular, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that three in one. And if you think I'm going to get up here and unpack the mystery of the Trinity, you're wrong. (laughs) I'm going to leave that for Pastor Mark. (laughs) He can do that someday. We don't have time to do that. And you know what? I'm not even sure I could. I've read all kinds of explanations, but there's something about the Trinity that is a mystery, and it probably always will be a mystery to us. But the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person in the Godhead, 
And so we do have some beautiful pictures of the Trinity that kind of give us some insight. And it begins right in the first beginning of Genesis. We see that God is in the beginning creating the heavens and the earth. And then in the Gospel of John, it talks about Jesus being there in the beginning, that he was the Word and he existed with the beginning, in the beginning with God, and that he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. And then in Genesis 1-2, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And so we see the Holy Spirit present in creation waiting to do something new, to bring into uh, order out of chaos and beauty and harmony out of darkness. The Holy Spirit, this is a characteristic of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings new things to life, new attitudes, new desires, new ways to worship, new ways to think. And we're given another picture of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity in Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3. And it says, after the baptism, Jesus came up out of the water and the heavens opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So we have Jesus being baptized, the son, the Holy Spirit descending and settling on him and God pronouncing his blessing on his son. You have a picture of the Trinity there. Now, it says the Spirit of God descends like a dove, but we don't mean a physical dove. The dove doesn't come and land and then fly away. The Holy Spirit settles on Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is with Jesus throughout his ministry from that time on. It says he goes to the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes back into the synagogue filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he is filled with the Holy Spirit from this time on. And this is something new. This is something different that we haven't seen on earth until this point. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and would um, come upon a certain person at a particular time for a particular reason and for a season or for a time and to accomplish something that that person wouldn't have been able to do on their own, but then the Holy Spirit would leave. But now we see the presence of the Holy Spirit with Jesus, and, and it's a foreshadowing or a foreshadowing of the Holy Spirit being present with us as believers. And so this ushers in something new. Presence is important, isn't it? Have you ever tried to do something and you didn't have the confidence, but if somebody was with you, you had the confidence to do it? Yeah, I mean, that's especially true when we're children. But as we're growing up, I remember um, I spent a lot of years at a camp in Carrollton, Ohio called Camp Echo. And um, I was there as a camper, and then I was back as a counselor. And one year, I don't know why, I got in my head, I wanted to swim across, we had a big lake, I wanted to swim across that lake and back. I thought I could do it, but I'd never done anything like that before. And I talked to all my friends, and nobody would do it with me. I was like, Ugh. I was too nervous to do it by myself. So the one day I was talking to the lifeguard, and she said, you know what? I'll arrange for a time. Come to the lake when all the other kids are, are not busy and are not at the lake. And she goes, so I can just focus on watching you. And then I'll be here so you can try to swim across the lake and back. And so I started to swim, and this amazing thing happened. I wasn't nervous anymore. I could swim across the lake and back because I knew that I wasn't alone. There was someone there to help me if I got in trouble. You get the lesson, right? <laughs> my skill set hadn't changed, but my confidence level changed big time. 
you know, I had the confidence that I wasn't going to drown, literally or figuratively, in my circumstances as long as I had the presence of the Holy Spirit with me. And that's a lesson that I need today, that I learned when I was 15. And I need that knowledge right now. See, there's no way that I could have made it through the past four years after the death of my husband if I didn't have the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And there's no way I could meet each week with people who have lost their dear loved ones and be able to be there for them if I didn't know the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And there's no way I could stand on this platform and talk to you about the Holy Spirit if I didn't think the Holy Spirit was helping me. I need the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit was with Jesus. After Jesus' resurrection, he was leaving final instructions with his disciples before he was going to ascend into heaven, and he's commissioning them. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples everything I've commanded you. Then he says, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now we know that the disciples, if we read the Gospels, They did really good when Jesus was there physically. But when he wasn't there, they didn't do so hot. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to be with you. But he's also saying, I'm going away. So how is he going to keep this promise to his disciples? Well, John 16, 7 gives us the answer. He says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I am going away. For if I do not go away, the advocate counselor, the comforter, the intercessor, the strengthener, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So what's better than having Jesus physically there beside you? Jesus is saying it's having the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit living in you, abiding in you. He says, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we know when we have the Holy Spirit? Have you ever thought that? You know, I, I think I have the Holy Spirit, but do I, how do I know? When do I receive the Holy Spirit? Well, we saw the Holy Spirit was present in the creation of our world, and the Holy Spirit is present in the recreation of ourselves. There's a story in John chapter 3, and there's a man named Nicodemus, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, you know, I can see that God is with you, and <laughs> I don't know, Jesus was like really on it that day and he he just turns around and he says, I tell you the truth, unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It's like, whoa, okay. So Jesus just goes right into it. And Nicodemus says, well, what do you mean? I'm an old man. How am I going to enter into my mother's womb a second time? And Jesus says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. He says, humans can only reproduce human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I'm saying you must be born again. So Jesus says you have to have a new birth. So just like you have a physical birth, you have to have a spiritual birth. And you have this spiritual birth through the Holy Spirit. You are a new creation. You are born again into God's family when we believe in Jesus. And the neat thing is it's the Holy Spirit that helps us believe In 1 Corinthians, it says, no one can say Jesus is Lord without the help of the Holy Spirit. 
And when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, which is a whole nother sermon, and it just sweeps on and just takes over, and Peter's just filled with the Holy Spirit, he says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we know, if you're wondering, we know that we have the Holy Spirit when we have this new spiritual birth. And sometimes there's this misconception that that's all that has to happen. So when we believe, when we encounter Jesus, when we believe in him and we have this new birth, well, then we're done. We've arrived. That's it. Woohoo! But we know that's not true. I mean, if a baby's born, you don't go, all right, whoo, <laughs> done with that. Good job. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> no, that's just the beginning, right? And so it is with the spiritual birth. When we have a new spiritual birth, it's just the beginning. We're just entering in all that God has for us, all that he wants us to experience. There's a great exchange uh, in Goodwill Hunting, the movie, between a psychologist played by Robin Williams and a young genius played by Matt Damon. And at one point, the psychologist says to Matt, he says, so I don't know if I asked you about every art book ever written. I'm sure you could tell me all about it. You could tell me everything there was that, to know about art and every art book that was ever written. And I'm sure you know a lot about Michelangelo you know about his art, you know about his life's work, you know about his politics, you could tell me all of that. But I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you could tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. See, there's a world of difference between knowing about something and experiencing it for yourself. And my deepest prayer for you today is that you wouldn't just know about the Holy Spirit, that you wouldn't just know about God's love, but that you would experience the Holy Spirit for yourself, that you would experience God's love for yourself. When I became a believer, a light bulb went on. My parents didn't attend church, but they sent me to church from the time that I went to school. And so I had heard John 3.16, mm, I don't know, a gazillion times. But one day, something happened. From one day to the next, it was like scales fell off my eyes, and I understood that God loves me. Not just that God loves the whole world, which he does, but that God loves me. And that experience of the Holy Spirit opening my heart to God's love for me changed my life forever. And I can tell you that I experienced a spiritual rebirth that day. See, up until that day, I had never felt loved. I didn't even feel lovable. I know that's hard to believe. No. <laughs> no, it's true. When I was in the fifth grade, I remember, I still have it. I even thought about reading it to you, but nah. But I wrote this poem, and the poem, I'll just give you the title, I Am, But I'm Not. <laughs> that was a really cheery poem, <laughs> let me tell you. Fifth grade. And I was really unhappy. Seventh grade, I attempted to take my own life. One year later, at Camp Beko, the Holy Spirit broke through. It was like a light turned on inside of me. And I am eternally grateful because, you see, I finally understood. I was seen. I was known. I had a purpose. And amazingly, I was loved. 
And I felt God's love just wash over me. And I felt a peace that I had never known before. And that experience of the Holy Spirit was just the beginning because I realized that God's love, God's salvation wasn't just, God's love wasn't just for my salvation. But God, that moment, he, was, he wanted to do something with my life. He wanted to change me. There's a quote by Bono, and he says this. I was really lost, and I'm a little less so at the moment, and then a little less, and then a little less again. That to me is the spiritual life, the slow reworking and rebooting of a computer at regular intervals. Reading the small print of the service manual, it has slowly rebuilt me into a better image. It's taken years, though, and it's not over yet. See, we're all work in process. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring us into, doesn't just bring us into a relationship with God. He helps us develop that relationship. The Holy Spirit gives us understanding. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit prays and intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit gives us access to the Father through the Son. And we have the fruit of the Spirit living in us. Joy, love, peace. Patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All these things that the Holy Spirit brings to us. But most importantly, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live like Jesus. So we have the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God doesn't want us to come to Christ by faith and then lead a life of discouragement and defeat. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says you'll receive power. Well, what kind of power is Jesus talking about? You know, when we talk about that word power, especially in our world, in our context, it's not the most positive connotation because in our world, power, sometimes it, it kind of has this 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 idea of greed and selfishness and um, subjugation and, and domination. Jesus says, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. So the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is first and foremost the power to point people to Jesus, to be a witness to what Jesus has done in my life, in your life. In an interview, um, Kelsey Grammer talks about uh, his faith. He's asked, what do you hope that people are going to get from this movie, The Jesus Revolution? And uh, this is what he says. You know, it's interesting that, you know, there was all that controversy about, I, mean, I don't know why there was controversy, about the, the Christian commercial on the Super Bowl. Uh, and I thought it was quite beautiful. I mean, yeah. it, it, it captured a lot of images of conflict yeah. and rage and stuff like that. And then and then mentioned that Jesus gets us, and uh, and also the the idea that you love your enemy as yourself. Yeah. Uh, there's only one guy that ever preached that, and that's Jesus. And there's only one guy saying it today, and that's still Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, and it's like you just we are surrounded by contrary information, and the only one single clarion call is still from Jesus Christ saying, "This is the way." This is the path, and it's a, it's a very cool thing. And, I mean, I'm not going to apologize for having faith. Uh, I don't go around, you know, beating people over the head with it. But it is a beautiful thing, and it is a, a, an invitation to 
um, to walk in the light of love is, uh, is the best thing yet. One clear call from Jesus. This is the way. Walk in it. If we're going to live in the Spirit, we need to walk in the Spirit. He's saying walk in that light of love. Don't just talk about it. Live it. Walk it. Be that light to other people. You know, there's a quote by A.W. Tozer. i got to take a drink of water before I read it because it is a gut punch, and I probably won't get through it. I want you to hear this. He says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Wow. I don't know. I'm still thinking about that. (laughs) But it's like a gut punch. I don't want that to be true. The testimony of the early church was that God's people proclaimed the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and then lived it out with their lives. The Holy Spirit was a transforming power at work in them, and the Holy Spirit is a transforming power at work in us if we will let him. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, The Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. See, the Spirit gives us power, and we are his witnesses, which means we tell other people about what's happened in our lives because of Jesus. Other people see a difference in us, and they see the love and the joy and the peace, and they see the difference that the Holy Spirit makes, and they see the difference that Jesus makes. And maybe that's why you're here today, because maybe you saw the Holy Spirit in someone's life, or maybe you saw Jesus and it made a difference and you were drawn to it. And that's why you're sitting here. What does it look like to become more and more like Jesus? What does that look like? Because our first reaction is like, "Mm, that's not going to happen. But what does that look like? John 14, 12, Jesus said, anyone who believes in him will be able to do the work that he has done and even greater things. Wow. So what was Jesus doing? In Luke 4, we have this beautiful description that Jesus reads, and then he says, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, and this is what he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he's quoting from Isaiah 61. And I I looked up Isaiah 61 in the message, and I want to read that to you because I love the way the message says it. The Spirit of God is upon me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to announce freedom for all captives, to announce pardon for all prisoners, to comfort all who mourn. The transforming power of the Holy Spirit is available to every believer. There are no conditions placed on this power. It wasn't just for some people at some time and not for others. Jesus didn't say you had to belong to a certain group or an organization. He didn't say you had to be super spiritual. He just said, when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. So the Holy Spirit comes, 
and reveals our spiritual poverty and our need for a Savior. And the Holy Spirit reveals God's love for us, and the Holy Spirit helps us to share the good news. And this is the reality that God wants for us, a transformed life, a life that's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and a desire to bring this life-changing good news to others. And you might be thinking right now, well, that's great, but I can't do that. And guess what? You're right. You can't do it in your own power. But the beauty is you don't have to do it in your own power. See, the amazing thing is that the Holy Spirit, this is what he does in our lives. He gives you the ability to help people. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to set other people free. It's not just about having a warm feeling. It's about making a difference in the world. See, I think the Holy Spirit, I think God puts a desire in our hearts to help people, but a lot of times we feel like we don't have anything to give them. But the Holy Spirit fills you. You can truly help people. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you can help the poor. You can bind up the wounded. You can... Come to people. People will come to you who are brokenhearted because they see something in you and they know that you can help them. So let's just imagine a church. Let's call it Meadow Park. Let's just imagine a church where the Holy Spirit heals our broken hearts so we can say to someone else, it's okay. You don't need to hide your brokenness. Let me help you bring it to the Father for his healing touch. Imagine a church where the Holy Spirit heals our hurts and our wounds so that we can invite others to bring their hurts and their woundedness to God and receive comfort. Imagine a church where we say whatever's holding you back in life, whatever is defeating you, the Holy Spirit is here to set you free. Imagine a church where we are freed so that we can free others from the captivity of addiction, unhealthy relationships, from doubts and from fears. See, that's good news. The power of the Holy Spirit will break through whatever is holding you back, holding you hostage, keeping you from experiencing the joy and the peace that comes when you surrender to God. The Holy Spirit will help you break those bonds. Imagine a church where we say this is a place where the Holy Spirit brings pardons to everyone, to prisoners, light in the darkness. You don't have to hide your sin. What sin needs to be brought to light and, be, and, is, and to be forgiven? Where we can say to each other, what's keeping you from experiencing the close fellowship with God that you're yearning for? Let me help you with that. Where we can say, where do you need help to change? I need help too. Can we help each other? You know, it's funny, I was going over in my notes yesterday, and the power went out in my house. I don't know if anybody else's power went out. Eight hours, my power was out. No internet, my phone battery was dead. Um, I had uh, clothes in the washing machine that were just sitting there. Actually, my sheets were in my bed that night. My, I had my garage door, you know, I had to unspring it, whatever that's called, and then couldn't get it sprung back, and all of these things were happening, and I was just like, God you have a message for me? <laughs> and it was like God was saying, this is what life is like without the Holy Spirit. There is virtually no real life as a believer 
without the Holy Spirit. So we started with Genesis, and we're going to end with Revelation 22:17. So the Spirit in the church says, "Come. Let those who hear come. Let those who are thirsty come. Come and experience God's love for you. Come and be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Come and experience the power of the Holy Spirit, who gives you a desire to take good news of Jesus to others. Maybe you're still saying, I'm not ready. I would just ask one thing. Would you simply ask God today to give you the desire for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? As Roger comes up, as we go into our last song and the band comes up, I just want to ask you to take this time and as we sing our closing song, we've prayed this already today. I want to just pray it again. I just want you to open your heart to God. And if you want someone to pray with you, if you need somebody to pray with you, we have our prayer stations. If you'll go over there, someone will meet you over there and we will pray with you. But I just want you to stand as we sing. I want you to stand and I want you to just stand in worship, stand in openness, stand in invitation. I want you to just stand with a willingness to say, God, whatever it is that you have for me today, I am here to receive. I want you to say, if you can say with me, come Holy Spirit. And this is what I'm going to be saying. Come Holy Spirit. I need you. I want more of you. I desire you. Come Holy Spirit.